If you aren't personally prepared to go in front of the cameras and you have never done that before, quickly find a PR specialist to help you out. Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. And before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're, we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible, and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's, project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, i check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we help you move your real estate investing business forward. I've interviewed Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I know you know that already, right? He's famous. I've interviewed Jay Papazon uh, from Keller Williams. He's co-written a lot of the best-selling books on real estate investing with Gary Keller, who we should be getting on the show soon as well. And today, I'm so pleased to be speaking with Megan Gross, who is a PR expert and she's going to help us think through how to communicate whenever things go bad with our real estate business. Publicly, things go bad. Hopefully, we never come across this, but we might. And it's always good to be prepared, just like we hopefully are never sued. But we still have an LLC and we still have liability insurance. And let's think of the conversation that we're about to have with Megan as that insurance and that LLC protection, but from a communication and reputation standpoint. So Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I, I feel very honored to be on such a distinguished roster of guests. Yeah, well, you're bringing up the distinguished roster to a different level now. And I know we've got a lot of good things to talk about, a little bit about Megan, and then she's going to go into her background in more detail. She is the founder of Gem Strategic Communication. She's based in Princeton, New Jersey. She works all up and down the East Coast. 
she focuses and works with her clients on reputation and crisis issues, including being prepared and response plans for disasters that happen and things that happen to your business where it could hurt your reputation. She was uh, previously a VP at a global PR firm and just has, uh, and she spent five years in Washington, D.C. in public affairs. So she is going to tell us all about all those things, specifically crisis communication and how to be prepared. So Megan, with that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit about your background and what you're focused on now? Absolutely. So as Joe mentioned, I am um, have a background in crisis communication in addition to regular sort of public relations and reputation management. And, you know, I think increasingly we're seeing that bad things can happen to any company. Even if you're not in the business of, say, consumer products, or, you know, retail or something extremely or or technology or something extremely customer facing. We are facing so many natural disasters, weather, fires, floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, that I am seeing increasingly in my business that infrastructure heavy companies are starting to have a lot of extended crisis communication and business continuity plans. And I've recently worked with a couple grad programs up here in New Jersey, spoken to some MBA and PhD programs, students who are studying, you know, various, you know, facilities management, you know, national security, et cetera. And we're increasingly integrating crisis preparedness into the rest of the business functions. When something bad happens, let me, let's get a specific example. Maybe you're, you have an apartment community and it floods and you have residents who say you have 50 apartments that are underwater. You've got the Red Cross coming. You've got residents who are upset. They're talking to the local news or they're trying to talk to local news. A local news story picks it up and starts bashing you as the owner because your apartment's flooded and you just didn't react fast enough to get the residents what they needed. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Well, ideally, so that we could tackle this from two different angles. If you're facing that and you have not put a crisis plan together, the first thing you should do is get a communications person. If you aren't personally prepared to go in front of the cameras and you have never done that before, quickly find a PR specialist to help you out because that's the worst time to school yourself in a media interview process. Secondly, get with your lawyers because so much of what we do with reputation management and communications hinges on, you know, making sure that we're doing, saying all the right things and doing all the right things. So, you know, that that's if you have not prepared, there's sort of a, what do you do in the first 15 minutes? And I would say, grab those two people get on the phone, and sometime within that first hour of discovering the adverse event, you should be prepared to communicate something like a holding statement to your key stakeholders, meaning your tenants, your bankers, your you know local utility providers, any business partners you have, contractors, local community, etc. You should at least give them some sort of holding statement to let them know that First, you're aware of the problem, and second, what you're doing to either work with local officials or by yourself to rectify it. So that's sort of the triage approach if you haven't prepared for it. But in the ideal scenario, um, you know what what we like to see companies do is make sure that they've got a preparedness plan. Um, you know, 
on their on their computer, just filed away. Hopefully, you never need to use it. But for that rainy day, and and you know, in the case of natural disasters, it often is the rainy day. You can pull it out and you have it. So that plan would be so detailed as to include, you know, what you're saying, when you're saying it, who you're saying it to, you know, who your other spokespeople might be, etc. Um, it's just really important in this day and age with social media able to spread a message faster than you can by yourself. Um, it's really important to make sure that you have all these bases covered before something becomes a crisis. One of the things you mentioned is uh, quickly find a PR professional if you don't have a plan because you said that you don't really want to learn how to interview on the fly, especially whenever stakes are high like that. But fortunately, now we don't have an issue um, because now I'm stepping outside of that scenario. And I'd love to know some tips to do well on an interview. Say, for example, I'm going to switch gears kind of completely, but still on the same topic. And when we get interviewed by, say, a local, maybe a, a, a local TV station or some other news outlet or maybe a podcast host, how should we prepare for those interviews? Well, like anything, any form of communications, it's really about knowing your audience. So, you know, do your due diligence on the person interviewing you. So know whether that person is a local reporter or whether that person is a trade reporter. Speaking to um, banker and tradesmen is a much different exercise than speaking to the, you know, ABC affiliate in Jacksonville. It's, it's just a completely different service that they provide to their readers and viewers. And so you need to make sure that you tailor your message appropriately. So first, it's understanding as much as you can about the reporter. And secondly, it's having your, you know, we like to call it elevator speech. I'm sure a lot of people in sales call it that as well. You want to have that really sharp, concise statement about who you are, what you stand for, what you do, and how you deliver it to your customers. So as long as you have that message developed ahead of time and you know your reporter and the audience they're trying to serve, you should be able to do okay. When you get asked a question that is what they really want, maybe it's the root of what they really want to know, but you don't really want to talk about it, say, let's go back to the disaster scenario where they ask, what took you so long to respond and why are you such a bad landlord? How do you approach those questions? That's a great question. In fact, that's probably the one scenario that business owners, property owners get caught and they get stuck. And that's probably the number one thing that causes organizations to have you know, negative interactions with the media. Reporters will do that. They will try to get an unwitting, you know, inexperienced spokesperson to, you know, either fall into a trap of that dead air time or they will ask them, like you said, the question that they don't want them that they don't want answered. That's where that elevator speech comes in handy. If you always have those few bullet points about you, your company, your organization, your mission, your goals, etc., if you have that ahead of any interaction, you can always go back to it. It's the safety net for you. So no matter what the question is, you can always go back to those. So for example, a good way to respond to an interaction like that, if someone says, you know, hey, you know, you've got 50 tenants here, these people are going to be without, you know, housing this evening and possibly into next week. Why didn't you shore up your infrastructure? Why didn't you work with local utilities with the water main, etc.? A proper response to that would be, you know, First and foremost, 
Our concerns are with our tenants. We're pleased that the Red Cross has shown up on scene. We're doing everything we can to work with the local authorities, making sure these people are warm, safe, and dry for the evening, and they've got some place to stay. Moving forward, we're working with all the local authorities, all the local utilities. We're cooperating, and we hope to come to resolution soon, and we'll give you another update in a few hours. Boom. There you go. So what you've done with that is you haven't necessarily accepted every bit of responsibility for the recovery operation, but what you have done is you've accepted responsibility for your role in it. You've provided a solution, and you've also, most importantly, you've told them that you will follow up in a couple hours so you aren't just exiting the scene. One other thing I've learned or heard and actually apply is if somebody asks you, like, why are you such a bad landlord or something like that that's negative to never repeat it. Never say, well, I'm not a bad land. Just just don't even go there. Just redirect it or at least come at it from a different approach so that you're not repeating the negative language that they're trying to get you to say. You're 100% right on that one. That was a good, whoever gave you that one, that was a good tip. <laughs> you never repeat yeah. the negative. It was a fellow uh, DC PR professional. She actually worked with the White House as back in my advertising days whenever I was, she was uh, working on the same client we were and we had a client meeting. So that's a little uh, goodness from my advertising days. (laughs) Well, what is your best advice ever for real estate investors? So my best advice ever is to do your due diligence. And, you know, I say that because, you know, partially in jest because I've worked with lawyers for about 10 years of my career. But in all seriousness, we do due diligence and communications as well. Too often, it's a lack of planning, you know, with non-communications departments in an organization or non-communications people. It's a lack of planning and foresight that creates a problem that communications needs to help solve. And nine times out of 10, it can actually be solved before it becomes a communications issue. So, you know, due diligence is important because I've seen firsthand through working with lawyers how important details are and how thinking through every scenario can really prevent something from happening that you don't want to happen. And again, you know, all too often communications people are called in when something has become such a reputational issue, it takes so much longer to repair the damage. So what I always like to recommend is call the communications person in early, have that person help you work through what might be issues, come up with plans for them. And that way they sit on your desktop. Hopefully you don't have to use them, but you're not going to be spending tons of money repairing damage, but you will have just spent a little bit of money writing the plan. Yeah, that's a clear theme throughout this. And that's having a plan before something happens. That way you know how to approach it and just having really a paint by numbers approach, even though I'm sure there's always things that go outside of that plan. But I imagine you have the template in place that you can implement. I mean, one thing, and I this is a personal example. I was uh, speaking to somebody whose family actually got accused of a Ponzi scheme and they wanted to go in as business partners with me. Turns out that the Ponzi scheme was not uh, validated and they got convicted of commingling funds. I mean, I won't get into the technicalities there, but I had a real decision to make because I was... The, the people who wanted to go in business with me were family members of those who were convicted. They weren't part of it, but they shared the same last name. And I ultimately decided against going into business with them because I didn't want any of the shrapnel to come on, on me as it was affecting their family. 
But if you were to be their client, the family members of those who were affected, not the ones who actually were guilty, but the family members, how the heck do you approach that? If I were their client or if they were my client? Sorry, if they were your client. You know, I think in a situation like that, when you are possibly, you know, sort of linked peripherally or by association um, with a common name, you know, I think my advice on that is you need to be proactive in your own communications and really carve out your own niche and be really upfront with your audiences on what you offer and Make sure that you're out there constantly communicating because the more your positive message gets out there, the more the public will associate it with you and the less they will associate the potential negatives that are, you know, sort of the noise that's on the periphery. Yeah, they need someone like you because that's that's their, one of their mistakes is they just they're not on the Internet. They're not on social. The only thing that you get when you Google their name is their family members names who got accused of that. And so they maybe I introduce you. Maybe I'll introduce you to them. <laughs> you ready for the best ever lightning round? I am. Okay, first a quick word from our best ever partners. Crowdfunding, you've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions that's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Best ever book you've read. On the personal front, Eat, Pray, Love by Elizabeth Gilbert. And for business, Speak Like a CEO by Suzanne Bates. Best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it? I'm living it right now. A transition from 20 years as a corporate PR person to an entrepreneur. What'd you learn so far? It's interesting once you strip away the job, the title, the business card, the commute, everything, you find out really quickly what you love about your business and what you don't love. What's the best ever client project you've participated on? Hands down, the best ever project was I was working for a utility in New England and it was during Hurricane Sandy and I got to do some amazing, amazing crisis communication with some of the most dedicated and committed people I have ever worked with. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? Right now, I'm launching a writing career in addition to doing my PR career, and I'm really excited about that because I feel like I am at a point where I've had enough life experience that I can explore some really interesting literary themes. Best ever way you like to give back? I love mentoring young professionals, and I belong to, um, I hold a leadership role in my industry's main um, professional association, and so I, I never turn down inter- informational interviews, requests, networking, etc. I love to give back by way of helping people up. What would you say is the biggest mistake you've made in business so far? I think when I was younger, I held myself to too much of a plan and a schedule, and I I mapped out too many milestones for myself. And while I hit most all of them, I think I may have missed a couple opportunities along the way. So in my next 20 years, I want to make time to um, pivot if I need to. And lastly, what's the best ever place to reach you? Best ever place to reach me is LinkedIn. Megan, thank you for being on the show and helping us understand how we need to be prepared and what we need to say whenever bad things happen. And inevitably, they're going to happen to different varying degrees if we're in the business long enough. You really focused in on uh, having a prepared plan 
And that's basically what you're going to say, who you're saying it to, and who are the other spokespeople um, involved, and as well as many other things, but from a high level. And then interview preparation. So when we are just being interviewed, knowing who's interviewing us, their background, their audience, then having that elevator speech of who we are, what we stand for, what do we do, and how do we deliver it to our customers And uh, then kind of talking through that case study, that personal case study that I was mentioning, where if things happen within your business partners or your family and you can't control it at all, but you're still catching some of the shrapnel, then really getting out there and being upfront and talking about what you're doing, how you're different and being proactive in that regard. So thank you so much for being on the show, sharing your advice, and we'll talk to you soon. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you.